0: Hi guys, it's Erin and I, along with Nell, host This Is Your Captain, speaking a podcast about TV show pilots. On this episode, we're discussing the first episode of Star Trek and the first and seventh episodes of Lost Girl. We're going to be talking about what makes a good pilot, in what ways do these succeed and fail, and how do these shows come to be made before divulging into some other media topics. Enjoy. Well, should we do this thing? Heck yeah. Alright, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first, because I think mine's going to be shorter. Okay. And so we'll just do it really quick. So really quick, for people listening, Nell and I have both brought a TV show pilot to tell the other one about. Yes. And that's how this is going to work.
1: So, um, to all the listeners out there, (laughs) I am going to be talking about uh, Star Trek, the original series, and the pilot episode that was originally pitched, that got the show canceled, and then they made a new episode. You know, pilot episode that got the show picked up. Uh, This is a pilot episode that I've been hearing, I've heard about since I was a kid. My dad's a huge Star Trek fan. I I watched all of it growing up on our like giant Mac computer. So uh, the pilot episode that was originally written was written by Gene Roddenberry, who went on to write the rest of the original series or most of it. Um, And he's the creator, or considered to be the creator of the original Star Trek series. And he wrote the cage and essentially a quick plot overview is that Captain Christopher Pike who is obviously not does not end up being the captain of Starfleet um, in the rest of the series he gets a distress call from another planet and they basically go down to investigate and there's a beautiful woman who is like an enchantress and she like gets them to believe that there's something wrong and then she takes over or something like that. So Star Trek was pitched so this this episode the cage was pitched to NBC and it was called too cerebral and too intelligent and then also too slow with not enough action to mm-hmm. be picked up for the series um, they didn't reject it outright but they did threaten to cancel the show if they did not create a different pilot um, with different actors that was something that they called for that was really interesting the only I believe the only. Actor that remained from the first pilot to the second was Leonard Nimoy, who, of mm-hmm. course, plays Mr. Spock and ended up writing and producing Star Trek in the later years. So, the second pilot is the one that they ended up, it, it's accepted as like the, the beginning of Star Trek, and it's <laughs> called Where No Man Has Gone Before. It's it slaps like it is so <laughs> good, it's so exactly right for the time period, mm-hmm. and they certainly play into some stereotypes about women, and it's very, I mean, it's excruciating to watch in a certain sense, but also very fun, because it's so, it's so representative of the time, where they're trying to be in the future, but they rely so heavily on exactly what they know Mm -hmm. it's about, Um, similar, similar to the first pilot, in that it's uh, a, a, you know, sort of a noir, where it's a, it's like a vixen who tries to lure them into... You know, staying on her home planet. Huge and classic. It's... I I think it's... Uh, yes, exactly right. Um, I think out of all the Star Trek episodes that I've seen, I have seen the first episode the most times. Have you seen every episode of Star Trek? I have, of the original series, yeah. Mm-hmm. I am not... You know, there's a whole group of people who really like uh, Star Trek, the... I don't even know what it's called.
0: Is it like Next Generation? Yes, thank you. Yeah.
1: Star Trek, the Next Generation series, and I just... I probably would like it. I just cannot. I'm a purist. Can't bring I don't yourself to watch. give a care about <laughs> anything that doesn't have Leonard Nimoy in it. That's the reality of the situation. I think he's a genius. I think he's the best part of the show. NBC also thought he was the best part of the show because mm-hmm. he is. Yeah. <laughs> he's a genius. Definitely. It's fine. So, um,
0: in the movies, does, like, I saw the movie, but I didn't really, like, one of the like later movies, is Benedict Cumberbatch like supposed to be Spock in like, the more recent no, movies? He, I was kind of confused.
1: Yes, I know why you would say that because he has kind of a similar look. Um, I feel like they tried to physically. make him a similar character-ish. So, I've never
0: seen Star Trek.
1: <laughs> I'll just say this about ben- being a huge Benedict Cumberbatch fan. Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, plays a certain character very well mm-hmm. and it is similar to Spock in that it's, you know... Very intellectual, unfeeling, um, lots of secrets. And so um, after he was in Sherlock, that was pretty much how he has been cast for a long time. I mean, you can even see that in Doctor Strange, his Marvel character, very Mm -hmm. similar. Total Narcissist, all those things. So he played a character named Khan in the Star Trek movies.
0: Okay, that sounds fun.
1: And these are the modern Star Trek movies. I encourage everyone to watch the original Star Trek movies as well. They also slap. um, (laughs) Cinema Majors, what are you doing? (laughs) They're so much fun. Um, And I think you can find them all online at this point. I'm sure. But, yeah, so he played... Uh, the interesting thing about the new movies is that the Spock character is very different. It's it's the new movies are set in an alternate timeline, so I'm like such a freak right now. He's <laughs> like such a nerd. Um, the, no, I love it. The, I it should be mentioned that my sister Rose is one of the biggest Trekkies probably living on Earth, and I mean that in a really real way. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's, like she knows everything. She knows everything. She has a lot of merchandise, lots of clothes. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure her. Computer password is Star Trek related. I mean, it's like hardcore. Yeah, she's thought about a tattoo. Oh, really? Yeah, that's where we are right now. I love it. I would not qualify myself. I don't think as a as a not a tattoo, not a tattoo level person. Mm -hmm. Well, and here's the thing, Star Trek. One of my favorite things about it is that it is arguably the the first media that created fandoms. So for sure, people had you know people really loved book characters and they had book clubs and talked about it whatever star trek was the original fan fiction where fan fiction was born Mm -hmm. um it continues to be the largest i think except for one direction fan fiction i read this the other day one direction fan fiction has like surpassed star trek fan fiction in the past few years Mm -hmm. um but star trek was the the type was like the media that had the most fan fiction for like you know, thirty years or something crazy. That like makes
0: that. a lot of sense. What year was Star Trek um the pilot? So
1: Star Trek which is the original so the actual first episode is nineteen eighty six. Okay. Oh, fun fact about the original pilot episode, mm-hmm. the person that they the man that they cast as um Christ Captain Christopher Pike mm-hmm. was was asked to Leave production essentially. NBC oh, yeah. wanted um, most of the actors gone, so he had already signed a contract, locked it down for at least six months. All these things, and, um, and they were just like, get out. And they were like, so it's debated. His his late, so he so horribly he died, oh, um, wow. before the conclusion of the original series, mm-hmm. and his wife like refuses to. Explain the situation. So we still don't really know if he left willingly, or if he was asked to leave by oh, the wow. network. Um, Jeffrey Hunter. Mm-hmm. So he was signed on, to be in Star Trek and asked to leave. Leonard Nimoy, was in charge of. I mean, under the table, in charge of a lot of casting. Apparently, especially in the later series. Um, so it should be noted that he, is responsible for a lot of the diversity on the show. And eventually, uh, was very influential to the writers, and I think became became a, a staff writer mm-hmm. for the show and an executive producer. And he was um, always pushing for the show to continue to break racial and and gender barriers and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, That's really cool because I feel like a lot of times on TV you see actors going into like directing episodes, but it's it's he did I that can't, too, I believe. Th- I totally believe it, but I can't think of a show where an actor has joined like the writer's room.
1: Yeah, you it know? happens more often in comedy, but apparently something that I read, if you know anything about Star Trek, Spock is the most complicated character in many ways. He has a very in-depth background, and part of that is because Leonard Nimoy took it really seriously, and he continued to take it seriously for most of his life. He felt very connected to Spock, and there he made it. He ended up writing several books about playing that character, and he is representative of, of what it's like to be. I mean, he's t- like in the show; he's half alien, half human, and like what that's like, and. he's he's Vulcan and it conflicts with all of his other feelings and it was supposed to be very representative of being of a mixed race or being from two cultures or being in a new culture or whatever. And he took that really seriously. And um, in the later shows, I want to say it was like season... A couple seasons in, one of the writers had written a plot line for Spock that contradicted a very small fact, like a piece of trivia from the original, like the first season. It was something very small. It'd be like at one point Spock said he like had never eaten strawberries I'm using an example and Mm -hmm. then in the third season he says something about loving strawberries and Leonard Nimoy knew everything about his character to the point where he got very upset and refused to work with Mm -hmm. that writer because he was like clearly you're not paying attention and that is I think sort of how he became integrated into the show that seriously because he took the entire production to kind of another level
0: Mm -hmm. that's so cool
1: yeah yeah I'm obsessed He's got a book called I Am Spock, and he has a book called I Am Not Spock. <laughs> I'm going to check the titles on that, but I'm going to be positive. And then his son, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and he were working on a movie when he passed. Uh, they were making a movie about his life, um, and his son did eventually finish it for him. Yeah, I Am Spock, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe he wrote that book after he wrote a book called I Am Not Spock. <laughs> so there was a while where he was very upset to be associated still considerably. Because obviously he never moved on from that character in terms of acting. He yeah. he was branded so seriously as Spock, he couldn't really do anything else. Um, and I think he, he attempted to do that and wasn't able to. And, you know, he did some acting here and there, but he was apparently... Had a stretch of time where he was very angry about being put in that box, sort of as a character, and then he eventually came all the way back around and was really,
0: <laughs> really time.
1: happy to have experienced that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, do you think it's a good pilot?
1: Oh, fun. yeah, like I said, it slaps. Um, <laughs> it's controversial, uh, for sure, especially now, but it's, I think, it's exactly what Star Trek is. It's very, I what I will say about it is. Pilots often, and I think you'll agree with this, do not represent the rest of the show, and that's because it's as a jumping off point yep. shows that they have a an idea and the ability to continue a show. I don't think it it very rarely is reflective of the first season, or and largely the the re- rest of the show. Uh, but I do think the first episode of Star Trek: The Original Series is very reflective of their production value (laughs) they just not like they get a lot of money all of a sudden you know star trek was actually not popular until years after it was canceled um Mm -hmm. people certainly watched it but it wasn't didn't receive a lot of funding so the cardboard spaceship and you know hand-painted rocks and stuff in the first episode is exactly what you're going to (laughs) see throughout the rest of the series and it's it's a lesson in production value and like what real heart in a show can do for it and Mm -hmm. like what if uh, essentially what an audience and a fan base can do for a show it doesn't matter that you know they were duct taping props you know (laughs) to keep them together (laughs) Um, they have the most in the first episode they (laughs) are attempting to make it look like There's an alien animal on this planet, and they just put a a dog in, like, a costume. (laughs) Like, they literally just put, like, a lion costume on a dog. And it is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And the dog just walks around with, like, furs, like, orange fur, like, sticking out (laughs) of the back of its head. And they're like, oh, look at that animal. (laughs) It's
0: amazing. Okay.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, tell me about your show.
0: Okay, so, speaking of... The idea of, like, having a show that's so based around the fandom. Um, I am not doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I think Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the reason that this show exists. Mm. Because Buffy the Vampire Slayer is one of my favorite shows of all time. And that started in 97, I'm pretty sure, Mm -hmm. and went until, like, 2003, about. Um, And then there was kind of a gap. There weren't a lot of, like... I mean, you had the Sarah Connor Chronicles, but, like, there wasn't a huge, like, Buffy show... After that, and I think it's coming back now. You have shows like Winona Earp. Um, and then there's this show, which is a Canadian show um, on the Sci Fi Network. And it started. What a great network. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Oh, Canadian shows on the Sci Fi. So solid. Um, and it started running in 2010, and it ran until 2015. And it is a show called Lost Girl. And the reason I'm really fascinated by this show is because. The pilot, the show that got sold to the network, and the first episode are two different things. The pilot that they sold actually ended up being the eighth episode, called Vexed. So what I did is I watched the eighth... I had I've seen episodes one and two before, but I hadn't seen them for a while. So what I did is I watched the eighth episode, and then I went back and watched the first episode. Mm-hmm. And just tried to determine which one was a better first episode, mm-hmm. essentially. And they're both actually pretty solid as pilots, I would say. Which is interesting i don't know like watching the eighth episode i don't know obviously i haven't seen all the episodes but i don't know if you need seven episodes before it to explain what's happening Mm. because i think the eighth episode actually does a pretty good job i was gonna say in the first three minutes we already know that there's a love triangle we already know that it's supernatural we already know that she heals through sex which is like a huge part of the show and we already know that she's someone that takes clients and she's supernatural and so i think you have a pretty good idea of what's happening pretty
1: good background
0: (laughs) yeah definitely and in the first five minutes of the first episode we know she's like supernatural something we know that she doesn't have a clan is like a big part of it and she meets kenzie who ends up being her best friend like throughout the show Mm -hmm. in the eighth episode She's already kind of in this whole world, and it doesn't start... Like, she's not finding out who she is or something. It's like she's already kind of in the world. In the first episode, it's like she's finding out. So I think it's interesting. I'm, like, I trying to figure out which one I prefer. The eighth episode has a better soundtrack, in my opinion, so that was (laughs) formative for me. But um, basically, the show is about Bo figuring out that she's something called Faye, which is, like, sort of a different evolutionary group of humans that have kind of everyone has like a different supernatural ability i already love it oh you'd love it it's so good i have
1: a book i read um way back i was probably like a freshman in high school or in eighth grade Mm -hmm. um it was called the graceling it was like a fantasy book about basically yeah oh yeah a selective few have supernatural abilities Mm with a girl whose ability was like the ability to survive but they They like use her to murder people. Oh, she has incredible ability to just kill someone in an instant, (laughs) in any way that she Mm -hmm. wants. And so they use her as like a weapon, and it's very interesting.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. That's like um, not that she has like supernatural ability, but I just thought of the Hannah. Yeah. Where she just kills people. Which they
1: are making a TV show
0: of. Yeah, I remember. I'm very nervous. I I
1: I'm sort of like why mess with the perfect thing? Yeah. We're talking about the movie Hannah that um. Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan was like kind of her breakout mm-hmm. role. Um, I wanna say that it was that an like, Atonement? I yeah. Say. I want to say it was like 2015-ish? I think about, yeah.
0: 2013, um, 2015, somewhere in
1: that range. Formative in my... <laughs> in your youth. ...youth. Mm-hmm. Had a big impact on me. It was, it was the Hunger Games level of cool to me, mm-hmm. and the Hunger Games type, like, badass girl power. Yeah. But it's like, does not... Smooth over any rough edges. And it's very violent. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: very oh, good. Oh, yeah, it's violent. Well, um,
1: Sersha Ronan is like beautiful, but in that movie, it, they do not put any makeup on her. They do have no attempt to make her feminine, and I really liked that. Mm-hmm. She's, of course, gorgeous anyway and
0: can do no wrong, but. Yeah. <laughs> Saoirse Ronan's gonna save us all, of course. Right. Oh, yeah, so I think it is somehow more interesting to have her already in kind of all the all the drama. Because and not like being introduced to it for the first time. I think the dialogue's a little better when she's already in it and not being like I think the phrase what the hell is insert thing gets said like maybe forty times in the first episode. Wow. Like, and after a while, it's like I kind of had to laugh at it, because I'm like, I've heard this so many times. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell is this? Who the hell are you people? Like, da 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 Which is fair, because they do kidnap her off the street and throw a bag over her head. I, too, would be upset. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what the hell is this? I'm sure, and I'll bleep this, I'm sure it's because they can't say what the f*** on yeah. air. They can say f*** on the sci-fi network. They can't say f-
1: I I truly don't understand The hierarchy of word choice Ever I've never Mm -hmm. understood it I don't know why certain words are worse than others Um, I don't know why any words Are banned anymore Me either I've seen basically porn on like family tv networks like the mm-hmm. things they allow on abc family is disgusting uh it this is is some of the more
0: intense network sex i've ever seen right. not
1: to mention the amount of violence that is allowed on any show in america ever nobody cares oh, if you're watching a, a you know a woman be sexually assaulted or murdered but if you say F- <laughs> mom, god Jesus forbid <laughs>
0: How dare you, yeah. You will get canceled right. and banned from hosting SNL Frickin' sensibilities are just shit. For real. No, because this, that's actually really interesting because the eighth episode, it's not as violent in the first episode. There's a lot more sex because kind of how she get, we get introduced to her powers is she's saving, in this one she's meeting Kenzie in the first episode, and she's kind of saving her from this guy who's drugged her drink. Hmm. and then we kind of see a classic a classic meet cute move. of women friends <laughs> hey we, that guy's treating you like shit. <laughs> you need help <laughs> you need help i saw him put something in your drink um oh my god i'd lose my mind oh yeah she's like a bartender and she like leaves her job like later wow. days to
1: the elevator i like wow. her to all uh, the ladies listening bartenders are not always safe either like, yeah, watch you your drink watch when they're making your, it. Yes, watch them. In the 80s, that was a huge uh, trend. People would pay bartenders to roofie people for them. Really? And they would do and it. They would do it? Yep, because it was the 80s,
0: and I guess it was a nightmare. Yeah. Slipping. We didn't know what consequences were in the 80s. Well, I,
1: I truly think it was like everybody in the restaurant industry was addicted to cocaine, and so there I'm was sure. sort of a level of um, who cares <laughs> about it all. I also don't think... Like, roofing was not considered to be, as hard as it is to
0: believe, it was not considered to be, like, as big of a deal as it as it is. You mean something that was, like, a safety concern wasn't a huge deal in the 80s? I was like,
1: <laughs> what do you I was say? like oh, you're
0: just trying to have, like, fun night. You just, she just needs to relax.
1: Yeah, it's, it's you know, for her benefit, mm-hmm. trust me.
0: Yeah, no, that's what they... He literally says, like, I just gave you something to relax. And she's like... How would I punch you in the mouth? Yeah, for real. Yeah. To the network's credit, they don't try and do the thing where he, like... And, like, granted, it would be realistic, but I just... I always hate it when it's, like... They're, like... It's almost like they do it to kind of, like, take clothes off the female character
1: in a way. Do you know what oh, I mean? Where it's, like... yeah. It's like you excuse just excuse for her to be naked. Yeah,
0: and then it's like nothing like ends a, up happening mm. and you're just like I feel like I just kind of Watch a girl get stripped down, like left on a bed unconscious, and that also makes me really uncomfortable yeah. to watch.
1: And they're like, But it's not bad because nothing happened. <laughs> and you're like, And they get to pretend it's feminist because somebody saves her and she yeah. makes it out okay. Yeah. And I'm like, Sure. Okay. Like, um, you just had to have a naked woman in your pilot to yeah. get people
0: excited. And to their credit, they she leaves her jacket on even. Like, mm. no clothes come off. She just is like passing out and like feels really sick. And then Beau kind of saves her and, like, takes her back to her place. Mm -hmm. And they have this amazing exchange where Bo's, like, kind of later days, and, like, she's grabbing all her stuff, like, she's going to leave town. And she accidentally kicks a can, and Kenzie wakes up and has no idea where she is. And they have this amazing exchange where she's like, okay, so, like, I didn't see you, like... eat some guy's face, is how she describes it as, like, she was, like, sucking the energy out of him, but I was like, no! And then Kenzie, like, filmed it all on her phone, so she, like, pulls it up and, like, is looking at it, and is like, they have this amazing scene where she's freaking out, and I wrote down two of my favorite lines from the episode are from this scene. I completely scene. forgot this show had a supernatural component until you just said that. <laughs> I was like, what?
1: you <laughs> like, hold on. Wait a
0: second. No, uh, yes, sorry, it has a supernatural yes, component to it. I forgot for a second. Um, and Bo says, "Don't freak out," and McK- and Kenzie goes, "I'm freaking out." And Bo goes, "What did I just say?" And I just, <laughs> what did I just say? I love that That's line. That's something I would say <laughs> yeah, I to know. somebody like who's. What did I just? Genuinely
1: say? having a problem, I'd be like, "Excuse me, could you please be quiet?"
0: What did I? Did I not just <laughs> give I just you a warning? Tell you? Um, and then the other line is she was like hyperventilating, like she's about to have a panic attack, and she says, "Can you just get asthma?" <laughs> like, she doesn't realize what's happening. My headphones fell off. Can you just get asthma? Like hysterical asthma? Oh, that's so She says it in this really great way. She, she is probably my favorite character on the show. Bo is, like, a super close second. Like, I love the character of Bo. But Kenzie's just, like, she's so fabulous because it's, like, it's like the really funny, kind of cool sidekick best friend that the show likes to forget about. Mm-hmm. You know, like a typical show would like like you to forget. But it's like she won't let the show forget about her. She just keeps, like, popping up. And, like, whenever another character, like, goes to save Bo, like, she just comes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> like, she doesn't have any supernatural powers. She's, like, one of the few characters that's an actual, like, just normal human in I the love show.
1: I She just keeps, like... Have you ever seen Teen Wolf? I haven't seen
0: Teen There's Wolf. There's a
1: character in Teen Wolf who kind of becomes the only regular character mm-hmm. um you know at the beginning like everybody's regular but there's one person that's a werewolf
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: spoiler alert. <laughs> um and he he's played by um something what's that kid's name something o'brien good i, I first thought it was conan <laughs> no um he's no. D- dylan 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 <laughs> o'brien he's Beautiful and actually very talented. He plays, you know, the only character that doesn't transform into some sort of, you know, fantastical creature. Yeah. And he is the best part of the show because mm-hmm. he just pops in and is like, hey, I'm going to help. And everybody's like, please don't. You're just a human. You're very mortal. And he's like, I'm going to throw a stick at, you know, the monster. And he's so funny. Mm-hmm. And he is always around. And it's he's secretly the best character. Oh. I, I really think that show might still be going on. Teen Wolf, I, and I really hope it's not. It's sort of like Supernatural, where it just will never end. I
0: can't think... Because, because the vampire diaries ended, but. so... Mm, so I, I keep wondering if tw- Teen Wolf ended. <laughs> like, Teen Wolf, I think, might still be going on. Should I look? Yeah. Okay.
1: Because that show, it, you know, it's awful, but it it's like Pretty Little Liars. It just makes so much money that Hey. The network. You know what I mean? Pretty Laws <laughs> is a terrible show. It's so much fun. But it's like the one of the worst writing I mean I've ever I completely heard disagree in my life. with you. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh, I think it's the worst thing I've ever seen and I love every second of it.
0: Okay, it ended in twenty seventeen. Oh wow. Team okay. Wolf. Um I think I think you can Maybe it's the
1: acting that's bad. Maybe the writing's bad. Pretty liars? <laughs> a... <laughs>
0: yeah. Um I like some of the acting is bad. So I think the main four I think there's a specific way so Pretty Lowers is one of my favorite shows of all time. And I think there's a way you can watch that show where it's stupid and like but there's they're doing really interesting things. It's like they almost just don't want you to know that they're doing something interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like hidden. And maybe maybe I'm biased because I started watching it in fifth grade and it was like the first it was the first show I ever watched, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like I never sat down and watched any other shows. Yeah. Because yeah. I wasn't interested in anything that happened on, like, Disney Channel and stuff like that because I just wanted... I just liked Murder. hmm I think the only show I ever watched was iCarly, and it was only because my dad also found it hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So we watched it together. But um, I think they are doing really interesting things. Like, I... It's like, sounds stupid when I talk to people that think it's a stupid show, because I don't. like you, th- you have a nostalgia attached to it. I think I do, but I think I sound stupid when I'm saying that I, no, l- no, like, no, really you don't. like it.
1: Well, here's the thing. I watched all of, of that show. I also, you know, I used to think Supernatural was the best show ever made. And, like, in <laughs> retrospect, that show is the worst thing ever. But it's so good. It's mm-hmm. the type of content that is incredibly specific to its fan base yeah and so it's very hard for people outside of the genre even to understand mm-hmm. but that's why I love. I love cult class like cult things oh yeah that's the best Absolutely. people are we're obsessed with pretty little liars you can, you're gonna find some friends to, to hang out with oh, and yeah. i mean just because that show isn't what i consider to be particularly like intelligent writing doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's not interesting and it's like a mystery like yeah. it's very it's I mean, I remember I used to get very excited to watch that show. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think there's something so fascinating to me. There is some good the fact that the girl who plays Allison was like 11 when they shot that oh, pilot oh amazing and, and she, she
1: comes like, back around in that show to
0: be she really does. good there's something so fascinating to me it's like watching Twin Peaks and Laura Palmer's dead but she refuses to stay dead like she just keeps coming back <laughs> yeah. and and then Laura Palmer's like not dead and it's that's so fascinating to me and mm-hmm. there's like just the fact, I just love, I think I just love the absurdity, and I think sometimes people don't realize about that show, the writers are in on, like, half the jokes that they're making. Oh, like, yeah,
1: they're, like, playing right into it, with yeah. I love. and they're, like,
0: they don't know, like, they don't know how stupid this is. I'm, like, they do, they're doing this to make fun of you. Well,
1: it's also, like, with Sherlock, I don't know if you were a big Sherlock
0: fan. I do watch Sherlock. I mean, I, I, mean, I, like do, I haven't
1: almost met anyone who hasn't seen that show, because it's amazing. <clears throat> oh, it's so good. I it's love that show. It's cinematic, and it's, like, really fun. Um, mm-hmm but I was like a scary level fan of that show. Um, And something that I thought was really interesting was that they eventually began incorporating the fan fiction and the like fan universes that were Mm -hmm. created around that show into the show. So by the fourth, the the last season that they made, there were actual jokes written in about Sherlock and John, you know, having an affair together, like being Mm -hmm. in love, because that was the joke. Well, that was like what all the, people watching the show wanted to happen, and they yeah. would incorporate, like, moments and jokes where there was, like, sexual tension. Like, mm-hmm. the writers had to sit down and probably read fan fiction <laughs> about their of characters. Sherlock
0: and, like, fan fiction. Yeah, which is, like,
1: a f- nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, they did it because that's who their audience was. It's, yeah. a, it's a really cool, I think, only in the, you know, modern era or whatever that you can, fans can directly talk to the writers and creators of a show, mm-hmm. which I think is amazing. I think it's amazing. I, oh, I, I think, think it's so cool. You know, S- Star Trek going back to you know back in the day didn't quite have that ability, mm-hmm. and, but like fans wrote letters and they had yeah fan clubs and and you know, con- eventually conventions and things. They made themselves heard, but like now it's so easy. You can just tweet at these people.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Pretty Little Liars was the first ever show that was a social media show. I will say mm-hmm. that was the first I think show where like people were encouraged to participate in it on social media and they would talk and the directors would just respond to them.
1: Right. See, that's what I mean. It's 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 an amazing connection between um, your target audience. And I think it creates a really special Mm -hmm. uh, product in the end. And I think it often, like, Sherlock became so specialized. You know, that show when it was originally made was supposed, you know, like all shows and all content, people are hoping, especially things that are very... uh, Financially motivated, like a television show. They wanted that show to be something that everybody could watch. Mm-hmm. You know, it was interesting for everybody. It didn't have a lot of romance. So it was like, you know, relatively uh, tame for all viewers, whatever. And then the, you know, it ended up being pr- a fan base of primarily young women. Mm-hmm. And they ended up just catering to that audience in yep. a way that they might not have done before. If it was, like,
0: 30-year-old men that ended up being, like, the fan base, it might have been a very different show. It would be a completely different show. Yeah.
1: But I think it's so interesting that in a way like that, they find, instead of tailoring the show to make money, they sort of see how it's, who is watching it, and tailor their content to sort of continue to grab that same audience. It's very interesting. It's much more um, audience-friendly, and I Mm -hmm. think it's created, like, the type of television watching um you know generation that we have is because we feel so connected to the content that we watch and consume because yeah. it is made for us in a mm-hmm. very real way or a lot of it is made for us in a real way
0: yeah yeah that's really spot on mm. mm-hmm. think about it a lot yeah no definitely i think tv is one of the like most interesting mediums that we've got going on in life because it is like a movie you can make a sequel but no one wants your sequel right well and I think you know
1: television is for me I've never wanted to work in television because I don't actually watch television that I would want to like I would love to work on a show like The Handmaid's Tale Mm -hmm. I don't watch that show um you know regularly Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of it but I haven't ever gotten really deep into it because I watch comedy I watch television to laugh and to have fun mm-hmm. and like to as in a, a form of escapism um and I don't necessarily want to work in television but it is like one of my favorite things in the world mm-hmm. you know I think good tv and uh really funny tv it is like life-changing I mean think about The Office The Office is a global phenomenon yeah there is almost nothing like that mm-hmm. you know and there rarely is is a film that sort of transcends across you know countries and languages and ages it's like Mm. it's amazing i think it does happen but with the office it's like the ability to get obsessed is so much easier with television because Mm -hmm. there's just endless amounts of time to be wasted watching it and endless amounts of of information to absorb and it's it's incredible it's because it really is like a whole little universe.
0: Yeah. And if you think about it, I think people's movie tastes are generally way more niche than their television tastes.
1: I think that's true. I'm very mm-hmm. like I I watch a lot of um very popular television shows, like mm-hmm. I, you know, talking about The Office and and Parks and Rec and I've mm-hmm. seen um you know, most a lot of the Netflix series everybody loves. Um but I've I watch a lot of foreign films and like mm-hmm really dark, you know, stuff that we both love but that a lot of people don't. I love horror. Yeah. Um, Things like that. And I And they're not necessarily movies I like, I can't wait to go home and watch, you know, Psycho again. It's like, that's <laughs> not really I watch that movie because I want to learn something and I want to mm-hmm. kind of go back and time and have an experience but like i watch tv to like have a good time and like, oh yeah laugh. for sure I, I don't really watch it to learn anything because again i don't want to work in it but maybe mm-hmm. i maybe i will one day and i'll change my mind but yeah it's such an interesting
0: place yeah. to
1: work it's it's, a, it's such a living industry i feel like as well you have to i think working in television has never been interesting to me because it sounds exhausting quite frankly it sounds oh yeah so hard you're never your job is never over you're constantly thinking about the next episode and the character arc and mm-hmm. you know it must just be so different to me i can sort of understand a movie you have to commit yourself two three years from mm-hmm. the minute it's beginning to the minute it ends if you're writing it or whatever um or you're just for there for production and it's like a couple months at most or mm-hmm. a couple weeks for the indie film but, like, a TV show? Like, you sat, like like have you read Minnie Kaling's biography? I haven't. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But she talks about what it was like to become a writer, a staff writer on The Office, right at its, you know, foundation and its um, conception, and she moves from New York to L.A. to do this job. And mm-hmm. she ends up staying there for, like, ten years because she's there the entire show. And then yeah. she's, you know, she's in it a little bit and then her character gets more substantial, but she's a, she was a head writer on that show the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, That's
0: why there's so many jokes about um, Cornell. Because she went to Dartmouth. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. And um, my friend goes to Dartmouth and she's like, Yeah, everyone jokes about Cornell. I believe that. (laughs)
1: It's just one of those things where it's hard for me to imagine making a
0: commitment for the next 10
1: years of my life to Mm -hmm. to a TV show. That sounds crazy to me. And I think if in reality, like, that's amazing. You you know, what you lock that down, make that money, you know? Mm -hmm. But to me, it's like, Oh my God, I can't imagine. You know, a character that I would care about enough to stay with for 10 years. That's a huge commitment.
0: I think that's so interesting because the part about, like, film and TV that really interests me is I love the writing. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, I ended up finding out, like, it's kind of why I switched because that's sort of my shtick and I can do that. Why you switched? Oh, yes, sorry. (laughs) Um, I switched my major at the end of last semester from cinema to something called communication design. Which is interesting because I don't actually want to work in communication <laughs> design. It's just something else. Um, and I might switch it again. Who knows? But the part about it that really interests me is writing. And I think that I would work on a TV show before I worked on a movie. That's really interesting. Maybe. Me. And I, the thing is, I write. I write a lot just on my own time. Like I write short stories a lot for my creative writing classes, and then I end up turning and then I end up turning them into scripts. Mm-hmm. Just like for, and it's like fun to adapt because certain things you have to cut out a lot of your description, so your dialogue has to be a lot better mm-hmm. because you have to like trust Pretty it. Interesting
1: I, exercise, yeah.
0: I have to add a lot of dialogue, or else it cuts the time in half. You'll like this one. I wrote one about a girl who calls her best friend to help her bury a dead body. So I will act in that <laughs> as well as you
1: will act in that. Yes. And we will somehow act and film it. I promise you there, I'm, there are going to be people from my high school that reach out to me when I'm older um, for good things or bad things. And mm-hmm. I'm going to have no idea who they are. <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be like, we used to hang out all the time.
0: <laughs> You're gonna be <laughs> oh like Oh my god hmm. they like pull out like seven pictures with you like a full photo album.
1: Well my best friend from childhood, who is the only still the only person I speak mm-hmm. to from high school, she often tells me stories that I am a part of that that include me that I have no idea what she's talking about. And some of them are like recent Mm-hmm. experiences. Um,
0: there are two vacations that my family took with another family I have no memory of. <laughs> 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 I discovered this the other day. I was like, did we do this? They're like, we did it twice. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> um, Chase, my roommate, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, recent, she texted in our, a group chat of me and uh, our other roommates 10 minutes ago, like mm-hmm. or like 10 minutes before we started doing this podcast, and she was like, I have no idea who just started talking to me? I'm becoming Nell. Help! <gasps> like it's a it's a joke that <laughs> everyone knows about me. Mm-hmm. It's scary.
0: <laughs> this is my trick. Nobody like I'm I'm. It's like you'll know if I tell you kind of thing that I'm really bad with names. I can tell you everything about them except their. Yeah, name.
1: I was gonna say. I feel like you have a great memory. I do. It's just, just the name.
0: It's just the name. And my trick. <laughs> and I'm sorry. If anyone's listening and you're like, hey, wait a minute, you did this to me. Um, because I start using nicknames like Babe.
1: Love it. Uh-huh. See that's smart and I should
0: I'm gonna steal that mm-hmm. and do that. I she's babe, love, um, things like that and then they don't know that I've forgotten. Huh. This is so
1: fun. This is so it, fun. It weirdly
0: feels so right, you know? Oh, I feel like
1: we've been almost doing this for like...
0: Absolutely. Like the, if there's ever like a friendship that would have a podcast... Oh, it's ours. It's ours. Because I feel like mm-hmm.
1: everything we say is incredible.
0: Oh, yeah. I <laughs> Did I tell you? <laughs> I just think that
1: we're geniuses and we're so insightful.
0: I keep a um, a quote book, and I think Nell just made it for the nine hundredth time. Everything we say is amazing. Well, because one time I told this to I have a friend called Myra, and I was t- we were talking about things that our friends say. One time, and I literally said verbatim, Nell speaks like she has a team of writers writing for her at all times, <laughs> <laughs> which is the nicest thing a person could say.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you should. watch that show? You. I okay here's my thing because you could get chase to talk about that for like a solid Mm -hmm. four or five days i did (laughs) watch
0: the first episode Mm -hmm. yes i don't know if i will watch the rest of
1: it i didn't i don't care for it
0: i don't care for it either we might not care for it for the same reason so i'm curious to hear yours
1: um i don't find stalking particularly romantic or something that should be glorified in any way um I also find the plot boring and tired, and the acting excruciating. That being said, I have seen none of it, <laughs> and um, I'm extremely judgmental. I think I watched a trailer once. Um, there's just some things that I have extreme negative reactions to, and sometimes I'm very wrong, and I will watch it and end up really liking it. Um, I can't think of something off the top of my head, but I think
0: I, that's interesting that because happened. I dislike the pilot for the same reason you mm. just said. I don't find stalking. I don't. I don't want to. I don't enjoy the attempt. And I think you and I are very similar in that people are watching it, and they're like, you almost feel sympathetic for him. And I watched it, and I was like, I don't, though. I Here's don't feel thing. I am
1: never going to feel that. So mm-hmm. when people are like, oh, I almost feel it, and like, isn't that a me- an amazing attempt on the part of the writer? I have, I don't feel that way.
0: If you Did you ever listen to the podcast, Dirty John? No, but I heard a lot about it. Okay, you have probably to, first of all. Probably from Karen Adorno. And probably from me, too. <laughs> I, I listened to it. It's interesting, because it's short. Um, I listened to the whole thing in 24 hours. Wow. Um, Because it's only three hours altogether. Like, Uh um, it's only six episodes. The LA Times did it. And then it was made into a TV show with Connie Britton, who was nominated for an Emmy for it. She's very good in it. Um, And it's very true to the podcast, which is something Mm -hmm. I found cool. They use like exact lines from the podcast because it's like the whole family being interviewed. Um, And there's an episode where um, John, who is the. the spoiler becomes the husband of Deborah Newell who Connie Britton plays Um, they do an episode all from his past like his perspective and like his whole life Mm -hmm. but the thing I thought they did well is I don't like at least when I watched the episode I didn't get the sense that I was supposed to sympathize with him at all it's like the idea like it was an explanation not an excuse Uh if that makes sense yeah. like this is like how he got to where he is like when you hear the story of like serial killers sometimes have like the worst of humanity done to them as well like like horribly a lot of them are like sexually abused um have like really horrible home lives and then you kind of hear the stories and i think there's two ways you can tell it on one hand you can tell it as like what they did is horrible and it's no excuse but this is kind of how they got to that point Mm -hmm. and like it was an explanation and then there's the way you can do it where it's like Oh, they had a lot of bad things happen to them, too. I saw
1: an article written by a woman um, for... I believe it was for Huffington Post Black Voices, which is an incredible Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Um, And she wrote something after the film about Ted Bundy came out at Sundance, where she basically wrote an entire article about how she... (laughs) the, The title of it was, Ted Bundy was not a genius, he was just white. And I think for somebody who... Uh, Quite frankly, finds true crime fascinating, and somebody like Ted Bundy fascinating. And Mm -hmm. I watched that movie, and I was fascinated
0: by it. Oh, I was so interested. That's Um, that's an interesting movie. Everyone should see that when it comes out. I know there's some hesitancy about it, but I think everyone should at least see it and make
1: your own decision about how you feel about it. It's worth the watch, and
0: it's different from the trailer. That's something to keep in mind. Very different from the trailer. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, but that film is an example of the of not given he he's given no excuse they don't go into his past at all yeah. which i appreciate because it, it ultimately does not matter why somebody does something doesn't matter to the victim <laughs> of a oh, crime, for sure you know what i mean um and i think unless it is like self-defense or uh, you know the i think there's obviously exceptions to everything i say but mm-hmm. um i don't i don't care if ted bundy was you know horribly abused as oh, a yeah. child which he wasn't by the way yeah um it doesn't matter, because what he did to, to many women is heinous, in, a, in spite of all the other things that could have happened. Absolutely. That being said, I have
0: to go. Oh my god, of course. <laughs> Should we sign off or something? Yeah, do you want to? Yeah. yeah. Should we just call it Talking with Aaron and Nell? Yes. Alright, goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs>